0: May the 4th be with you. Welcome back to the Capes and Tights podcast right here on CapesandTights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. Guess what? We have another Star Wars episode for you this week for Star Wars Week at Capes and Tights. This episode features editor extraordinaire Heather Antos, who edited a number of books back in the day from Marvel, uh, Star Wars books like Lando, Star Wars, Darth Vader, uh shattered empire princess leia chewbacca vader down obi-wan kenobi and anakin ho dameron han solo and much more as well as now it's over at idw star trek and has done things over or he also has an original series coming out called cat fight uh she's editing and she also has done bloodstained teeth time before time old dog star signs and terror war amongst many other things So Heather's talked about editing comic books, the Star Wars universe, the Star Trek universe, and so much more right here on episode 105 for Star Wars week, or May the 4th be with you. Enjoy this episode, everybody. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. Good morning, I guess, right? I mean...
1: Yeah, good morning. I have my coffee. I made sure I, I I made sure I got up early and was like, I have to go get my coffee before this and we're all set. So you have your cool coffee cup.
0: Yeah, this is actually a gift. I so I work um full time as well as a creative director for a brewery. Oh, and cool. Pr- prior to that, I worked as the general manager. So I ran the restaurant part and this was given to me by a regular because uh, they knew I like Star Wars and so they gave yeah. this to me for my birthday so I, I when I do Star Wars themed episodes I tend to use this as a thank you to them uh, but is
1: this a Star Wars themed episode
0: yes it is
1: oh wow
0: <laughs> we're gonna talk Star Wars but we're also gonna talk other stuff too so don't worry about that but I, I do think you also have uh, you obviously you work on the other stars projects too so I, I want to get into that, that. Yeah. but, uh, but <laughs> the uh um but yeah so um uh, Heather you're an editor um, I had uh, Daniel Chauvin on recently to talk about editing comic books over at Dark Horse, so we can talk a little bit about editing comic books as well. But I kind of want to know about Heather. Like, how did you get into comic books as a collector or a reader, and then how did you like break into the industry on on, on actually working in the industry?
1: Yeah, uh, it's 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 actually really funny that you mentioned as a collector because I wouldn't call myself a collector. I'm definitely not I'm definitely more when it comes I don't like stuff. Uh Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the easiest way, which is funny as I just moved and uh it was a perfect excuse to get rid of stuff, quote unquote. Right. Um but uh I so I don't really like collect. I only hang on to either books I've worked on or books that like I genuinely like mean something to Mm me um whereas like my best friend will drop 10 grand on like this is the first time batman is mentioned in a comic let alone appears right um so very different mentalities i not for me um that that level i just i i don't know it's collecting is weird but to those who do that's awesome we need you we appreciate you (laughs) um but yeah I was always just an avid reader growing up I definitely was um a proud member of the Pizza Hut reading reading book club uh back in the day to tell my 90s kids out there (laughs) um and you know I I always say like I drew comics before I really knew what comics were I would always write and draw my own stories and my siblings and I would like argue over the Sunday morning comic strips in the newspapers and um so it was always just kind of like really around me um I didn't have a local comic shop growing up I grew up in a really small town where um when you were bored you went to Walmart to hang out yes. so um shout out to the Midwest
0: um well live in Maine it's very similar so, in that yeah, sense there too you like go. We, yep. we used to like, get the it. high school <laughs> we used to drive downtown park our cars downtown and just lean on our cars and hang out so i understand oh not having gosh. a place to go
1: <laughs> oh my gosh um uh, that's funny uh <laughs> yeah so but yeah so i never like w- i wasn't reading spider-man from a very early age um my first like dip into superheroes was, was definitely the um adam West Bert ward batman you know television show that's that's my Batman. That's what I grew up on. I, you know, the the Michael Keaton and Burton, you know, films, watched all of those. And as the Marvel stuff came out, you know, I was always surrounded by nerd culture, like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, James Bond, um, with my, you know, my dad shared that stuff with me growing up. So um, but it wasn't until college that I really discovered like I guess what comics really could be. Um, I took an American literature course Mm -hmm. and in it, they had a segment on graphic novels where like we studied, um, a lot of like Neil Gaiman was another Sandman, you know, um, and I discovered like classic vertigo, transmetropolitan, why the last man hellblazer, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And really, really, really got into that. Um, and around that time is, uh, when the new 52 was happening um, and say what you will about those books. I know there's a lot of controversy and <laughs> how they were received, but it was a really good it did it served its purpose. It was a great jumping on point for those of us who felt intimidated by Supergirl comics. Um, you know, it came in around the same time that you know the Marvel movies were really making their their mark out there and announcement of the new DCU um all of that stuff. So I, I started picking up Batman, and um, it was really Green Lantern that got me into superhero comics specifically. They announced the 2011 Ryan Reynolds um film, and again, say what you will about that film. For for whatever reason, I I was like, I want to know more about this character because I want to be prepared when I see this movie. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up the two comics that the film said it was going to be based on, Secret Origin and Emerald Dawn. I read them cover to cover; absolutely loved them. Started picking up everything Jeff Johns was putting out at the time. You know, one of the most, I would say, defining runs on Green Lantern is what Jeff did. And um, and then I went and saw the movie and was terribly disappointed with the rest of us. Uh, and I, from the opening scene, I was in the theater. They should have done this. You know, nah. <laughs> um so <laughs> cred right away um and and yeah I, and i was trying to figure out i was around early 20s at that time and i was trying to figure out you know what what i want to do with my life like everyone else and a good friend of mine said to me well you like comics why don't you just do that mm-hmm. right as if you can just go go to the comic shop and pick a job off the comic tree um and be set for life mm-hmm. um and, but he was right. I, I really liked comics and it was really interesting. And I wanted to learn more about what was out there, what opportunities there were. Um, I liked writing, but I don't want to be a writer. It felt too unstable. I liked drawing, but like, holy shit, drawing a comic felt like way too much work. Oh, and gosh. I am lazy. Um, that's not true. I'm not lazy, but I don't want to. You <laughs> I want like, to draw try, it. Drawing a comic, just. I'd still still. now that I even draw more as an adult like being mm. told you know people ask when are you going to draw a comic and i just absolutely not like that just terrifies me beyond <laughs> the, people who draw comics are like true heroes um but there was this credit called editor on every book mm-hmm. and I knew what an editor did for like a traditional publisher like your penguins or it's classics right We work with the writer you make the story the best it can be. And quote unquote, that's it. Um, for a comic, there's so many other parts involved. There's cover artists, there's pencilers, there's inkers, there's letters, there's colorists, there's there's just so many other things. And I I realized that a lot of the books that I was reading at the time, the ones that I liked the most had the same editors attached. So there was something that they were doing that resonated with me. And so I did what any good millennial would do. And I started tweeting editors. <laughs> um, I just reached on Twitter to any, and, and again, this is early uh, you know, 2010s. Um, so Twitter wasn't quite the cesspool
0: mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> that
1: it is today. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, and that's how I met uh, Jordan White, who at the time was an associate editor at Marvel. Um, he was going to be at C2E2. This was 2014. I think I was going to be at C2E2, and I reached out to him and, and I was like, "Hey, I want to learn more about comic editing. Would you talk with me?" And he agreed. And we sat down. We had a conversation, and I left that convention. This is it. This is what I want to do. Um, it's not a matter of if, but it's just when and how. Um, and. I was already graduating college. So I wouldn't be able to get an internship at any of the major publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, they require you to have college or get college credits so they don't have to pay you. Yeah. Um <laughs> and I wasn't about to drop everything and just move to New York City um or Portland in the hopes that maybe yeah. right, I'll get hired. So yeah. um I decided to create my own internship, so to speak, where I would produce and create my own comics and create my own resume, basically to be like, if I can do it, and more so, do I even want to do it? Do I mm-hmm. like doing it? Um, and I created what I still to this day I've been working professionally for nearly 10 years and still to this day I call it the best title I will ever come up with and it was unlawful good an anthology of crime um and I put the call out um thinking I would get like maybe like five or six people who would want to you know submit to this crime anthology I was doing and I ended up getting I think like over a hundred submissions. Um, I whittled it down to 17, uh 17 short stories where I paired writers with artists, um, all crime stories, uh, produced the whole thing, gave notes and scripts, worked with artists, like, you know, solved squabbles between creatives, uh, did the crowdfunding marketing, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. So that six months later, from that first conversation, I'm at New York Comic-Con and i have this 200 page anthology that i've made
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and i run into jordan like there again and he remembered yep. me and he had just gotten promoted and they had just announced that marvel was getting the star wars comics and he he knew um that i was a huge star wars fan um i think anyone who follows me on twitter knows that <laughs> I know uh, you're stars. <laughs> yeah um but uh, he asked me, like, he he was like, you know, would you ever be interested in moving to New York? I said, yes. Um, one month later, I had an interview with Marvel and two months later I moved to New York and was working on the Star Wars comics. So that's that's the the short story of it. Um, but uh, tw- tweeting people, that's that's Tweet. how I wrote, tweeting people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not as easy nowadays as it was being back then. No,
1: <laughs> no, definitely not as easy. <laughs>
0: It's funny, uh, you mentioned the running in and talking to people. I feel like we at work said working in the brewing industry, we get cold emails all the time being like, Mm -hmm. I'm a home brewer and I want to learn how to brew beer. And can I talk to you? And 90% of the time, the ownership group of the head brewers are like, we don't have time for that shit. Like, we can't even think about helping other people do their stuff. We're trying to, so the fact that someone took time out of their lives or or time to actually have a conversation with you about it is awesome. And, And obviously you think. Uh, you know that that C two E two visit, basically for what you're doing now. I mean, if you didn't go, you wouldn't be here.
1: If I didn't go, and 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 it's not all Jordan too. I do want to shout out um Scott Alley as well, who was another editor that um really took time to educate me when uh he didn't have to. Quite frankly, there was a there was a at that same C two E two. Really, again, had I not gone to that C two E two, but at that same C two E two there's a panel that was like breaking in and saying, breaking in and saying in comics. And I think on it it had like Paul Allor, Kyle Higgins, um, Scott Alley, and a couple other people. And, um, you know, they go through the crowd and they ask who here wants to be a writer? And half the people, you know, who here wants to be an artist? Half the people, who here wants to be an editor? Scott says jokingly. And I'm like in the front row and the only person that puts my hand up. Um... And then Scott was one of the people uh, who I had tweeted and he remembered me. Um and uh, he he like on Twitter after that convention, I think like I tweeted him about something else and he was like, Where's that you? Was that you at that, <laughs> you know, at that thing? And I was like, Yeah, that was me. Um uh, and he again me and he's like, give me your, you know, give me your email. I email him, he's like, send me your resume. And hopped on a call and like he knew he was planning, like they were going to be promoting his current assistant at that time. And he was going to be looking for, you know, a new assistant. And so like throughout that summer, while I'm working on that anthology, like we would have like bi-weekly phone calls where like we would talk story um he would bcc me on emails where he gave story notes on script so I got to see how he gave story notes on script or I would he would send me like an artist layouts and bcc like his notes on the layouts and like he didn't have to do any of that he can Mm -hmm. get in a shit ton of trouble for doing all of that but because he did that like you know say what you will about Scott I know there's a lot of you know um unfortunate circumstances and everything that happened but like he didn't have to do that and he's a brilliant editor and I learned so much from his generosity um in that and um yeah that that was that was my comic book school was just people you know for whatever like seeing something in me that they thought was worth you know giving the Mm -hmm. time of day to which um you know I'm I'm very cognizant of that and how how privileged I was to receive that and so I you know I do get a lot of um people who are interested in comics and editing who reach out to me I really I really try and paint forward as much as I can that's why I like doing podcasts like these um so I can talk about it and if you are listening and interested and you know breaking and even if it's not editing um I do keep a record on my website of every single podcast appearance I've ever been on, um, where I talk about all, all sorts of these topics and, and, varying degrees. And I, you know, I want to have those resources there and available for people, um, to, you know, hopefully learn and, and be able to start their journeys as well.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not like it's as simple as just like you mentioned, I was joking in my head earlier about how you, um, someone said just work in comics it's like it's hard enough just to go to a comic book store and get a job at the comic mm-hmm. store selling the comic books let mm-hmm. alone in the actual industry of making them but there's not just like this you can't you go to walmart you can just apply for a job at walmart you can't just like go to marvel.com and be like okay cool i'm gonna apply for to be an editor i mean you know you have to
1: I mean, you, you can be, but you know,
0: <laughs> not gonna do like, so there is this way of having to work your way in and the other side of it is is knowing i mean it was probably I mean, obviously, I read comic books as a kid and all that stuff. But in my adult life, reading comics, it was probably two or three years into actually like heavily reading comics that I even like I even clicked in my head that there's more than just an artist and a writer in a book. Like yeah. it's one of those things that like you think about artist is kind of a misleading name because an artist is not the colorist sometimes it can be, but like. There's a colorist, there's an inker, yeah. there's a penciler, there's a letterer. <laughs> a lot of times there's a graphic designer. There's the yeah. editor. There's so well, many There's different-
1: There's marketing, there's sales, yeah. there's production. There's, there's so many, there's operations. The people who like figure out, I don't know how these people, the people who figure out like print runs or like paper stock or like all of that stuff, like that is fascinating to me. And I, I don't want that job. I know I would not be good at that job, but uh, yeah, Tara- uh, who is, she was our head of uh, operations, um, and just got promoted to co-publisher here at IDW, and, like, like, the, the, the stuff that she does and figures out is, like, so cool and, like, difficult and complex, and comics would not be happening, right, without those people doing those jobs, uh, and so, yeah, even if you're, like, oh, I love comics, but, like, I, you know, I'm not a creative person in any way, shape, or form, like, there's so many, like, non-creative focused jobs in comics um that there totally is something for you
0: yes as well as i oh, it's funny my son is my two-year-old son is obsessed with monsters university right now and <laughs> at the end of monsters university spoilers for anybody who came out a movie came out years ago there's the when they roll it credits believe it, it has like first day uh, at uh Monsters, you know, or Monsters Inc. And then it was like show them like working from the mail room to the janitorial staff to the kitchen staff, yeah. all the way up to where they wanted to be, which was on the scare floor. And it, it reminds me of uh, Daniel I mentioned earlier from uh, from Dark Horse, also started really low and internship yeah. to the point where now he's a senior editor. And the same thing with these people. So it getting in anywhere, somewhere, is a better opportunity for you to actually move to the position you want to be in if you if you're a janitor at the offices for IDW well, you might have a better chance to get your story heard it's it's, at- it's
1: true i always say it's not who you know but it's who knows you right mm-hmm. um and that's why like you know as as funny as it is i just tweeted right these people um by the time it came t- to hiring or talking about opportunities like they thought of me because they yep. knew me because I had reached out and I wasn't a crazy person, right? That's the <laughs> other thing I always say: like, reach out, reach out, but don't be a psycho.
0: So <laughs> yes, you up? Nope, nope, done. See ya. <laughs> move along. No, it, it's 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 yeah. So just like getting in there and doing that, but like not only did you get the opportunity to do this, but you ended up like it's not even like they were like, okay, you can edit this or you know, assistant editor. So you edit this book. It's like okay, it's like kind of a throwaway book. Uh, or kind of getting rid of the book you like you were on star wars so like yeah. you got to like you had like, like a dream come true i'm guessing to also not just start editing book for a publisher like marvel but you got to actually edit books like star wars that must have been insane
1: it was i like i still it, it took a long time to get over the imposter syndrome that came with that because like again like how fast my trajectory was you know um and it wasn't that I didn't have the skills or didn't do the work, I did. I just, you know, uh, luck is opportunity meeting experience, right, like that's that's what it was. And my backgrounds, you know, I, I did grow up writing and drawing, but I also, um, I studied film and theater in school. And so I ran sets, I ran groups of creative people on a deadline, on a budget, right? getting everything ready uh, to make sure by your deadline, by the show, by, you know, everything set and ready to go. Um, And, you know, running sets of like 20 plus people of just different egos running around. And there's a lot of similarities. And and funnily enough, a lot of people in Marvel and DC Comics Editorial, I don't know about some of the other publishers, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same, like come from theater backgrounds um because a lot of skills do translate and um so I did have a lot of transferable skills but but regardless I went from like yeah I want to be a comics editor to okay Star Wars launching a, a Marvel <laughs> Comics right like the biggest franchise the biggest publisher literally the highest selling comic of yeah. the century right Um, uh, it was an it was absolutely insane and like you know okay and on day one here you're on an email with john cassidy and, and jason aaron and mark wade and terry Dobson and alex ross is doing these covers and like you know and, and <laughs> i love telling this story because like now that i know tom brevoort he's just he's just tom to me like i don't yeah. think anything of it but but he was tom brevoort right yeah. like he was tom brevoort and he he's very dry and and can come off of bits I don't want to say abrasive, but a bit brash on Twitter sometimes. And he's Tom Breedport. Like, he's the guy at Marvel. And I was so... I interviewed with him, and it was a phone interview, and I was so nervous that... And it went... I think it went so poorly (laughs) that the second it was over, I, like, burst into tears, (laughs) because I was just convinced. They asked me, like, what, what one of my favorite comics or least favorite comics I was reading right now, and I said, like, it was like, what, what's one of my favorite comics. And I said like a DC comic. And then I was like, Oh no. Right. Like they're going to like, hate me, whatever. It was fine. But, but it's so funny now in retrospect, but like I cracked some Tom free like Tom's, Tom's just Tom now. Just Tom, but anyways, yeah. there was so much, so much, I put so much pressure on myself. You know, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to mess it up. And, um, one of the, first jobs i had that i had like ownership over was um they uh every single marvel comic has what they call a recap page and it's a quick like story so far you know previously on right yes um the 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 issue and for star wars what they did for those is they did like the opening crawl yeah. originally in all of those comics i don't think they lucas lets them do that now but at no. the time that's what that's what we did and mm-hmm. As uh, so assistant editor, I wrote those. It was my job to write those. And, like, I'm sorry, what? You want me to write to crawl, <laughs> an opening crawl for a Star Wars comic? Like, no, I'm not qualified for this. Uh, and, like, I think I took, like, four hours to write, like, these, like, three sentences. Because I was just so nervous and didn't want to screw it up and I remember like I sent it to Lucasfilm and then they had no notes and I was so proud of (laughs) it but yeah it was it was absolutely absolutely and absolutely insane to get that job and work on those books and um you know I wouldn't be where I'm at in my career today if it wasn't for you know that job and that
0: that opportunity
1: but like just crazy just absolutely crazy absolutely crazy to be you know working on Star Wars
0: and it's funny too it's like not only did marvel get that the the you know publishing back to star wars again but it's some of the like even back in the day into current i mean there's still current stuff is really good too but that era that 2015 era of star wars to me is some of the best star wars comic books that have ever been created like there's just the series that were out there that covers the art the everything in that whole time was just like not only did they come in strong with having star wars back but like they came in strong. (laughs) There was no messing around there.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's something, you know, uh, not to, uh, toot my own horn, but it is, it is something I've heard collectively like from the fans and creators that, you know, they miss me on those books Mm -hmm. because of just, you know, the quality, um, of, of the content and, um, and just like the relationship that, that I had helped foster. Cause I, you know, the, that relationship between Lucasfilm and Marvel was brand new at that point, you know, that Marvel hadn't been working with Lucasfilm since mm-hmm. the seventies. So it's, you know, all new people, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And like, I built that approval system. Mm-hmm. I built, you know, how the Lucasfilm communicated with Marvel and Marvel communicated with the artists in order to like run it as smoothly as possible because you know one of the number one things people ask me is like how closely do you guys work with Mm. (laughs) lucifer and the answer is very we (laughs) you know multiple emails every single day and phone calls and you know i was very interconnected and you know um the way i because when i trained the new assistant editor who would be taking on star wars after i was leaving i uh it's and it switched editorial altogether because Jordan White stopped editing Star Wars Mm -hmm. when when I left as well he got moved to X-Men um I was telling the new editors on Star Wars is our job is to make the very best Marvel Star Wars comic Mm -hmm. that we can their job is to tell us no Yes. yes and like so as much as we want to work with them and we do and, and uh, you know, obviously like Lucasfilm is not an enemy or anything of that, but their job is to protect the brand and protect the identity. Our job is to push it as far as it can go. Mm-hmm. And so there is going to be a little contention there. And there are going to be times where you, where they're going to tell us no, and you have to go back and be like, mm, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, a, it's a give and take. And, um, And that's with any licensing, you know. It's with the Star Trek I do now or, you know, Godzilla or Dungeons & Dragons or any of the other licenses that we have at IDW or that any publisher has. It is, you know, building that relationship and trust with the licensor is really, really important. And there are times where you have to tell the licensor, like, I understand where you're coming from, but you're wrong.
0: Um, The readers and us fans want to push the envelope as much as you can, too. It's like you don't want the bland safe story like you want right. to be able to have either new characters or characters that you know maybe you're not so excuse me allowed to touch or you feel like you're not allowed to touch or like but it means it makes the sense story for this uh, makes sense for the story yada 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 and so like yeah pushing that and going back and forth it makes sense to do that because again you get the best story possible if you have some give and take from both sides your editorial team and and lucas yeah films.
1: yeah and there are there's definitely times where like you know and whoops. Well, my job as editor is to protect my writer and to protect mm-hmm. my artists, like first and foremost. And like, if you are asking for unreasonable changes, you know, after something has already been approved or like, you know, there's, there's approval within reason, right. There There's certain things where like, this character was approved and now suddenly they're not appearing in the movie or we're changing, like, you know, whatever altogether, uh and it's you know a week before it's supposed to get announced the whole thing has been drawn and done and whoops we need to scrap the entire project like there's nothing I can do about that and you might think I'm being hyperbolic no I'm not like that shit yeah. happens yeah all the time <laughs> like all the time um it sucks <laughs> um, and there's nothing that we can do about it but there's mm-hmm. other times where it's like this is the character's design. The character has been designed this way. It's a character that we created, you know, this whole time. And then now, you know, someone's who has nothing to do with the comics is not involved, sees one thing and, and goes like, mm, I don't like how this thing is drawn. I don't care. Yes. I do yes. I don't care. Um, you know, it's 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 just you smile and nod. Um, a lot of times in licensing, people give notes to feel, to justify their existence and their role. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, I hope none of my licensors listen to any of these podcasts. I do want say this, but, but I, you know, there are a lot of times where I just, I, I say, okay, I hear you. We'll see what we can do. Um, we don't change a thing. We send it back to them and they don't notice.
0: Yeah. Well, because... I can understand that. I mean, I feel like as a design graphic designer myself too. Sometimes I put my work to someone else that's on the decision making team, and I'm like, this, that, and the other thing, and then they'll like be like, "What about this color?" <clears throat> and it's literally just so they can say it's their.
1: So they had input, yeah. Yes,
0: and it maybe it's not. And a lot of times I'll I've done it also many times where I've put the color that looks like crap, knowing they'll like or knowing they won't like it, so they'll tell me to change it to a color that I know looks good. So they did have input even though i I knew that the entire time i just set it up that way and i I, I, yeah yeah
1: it's it's a thing that like you know when when i'm submitting cover sketches to lucasfilm and there's i don't want them to pick one i just don't submit that sketch because i don't give them the opportunity to to pick it like it's very it's 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 not rocket science right you know um and there was a thing we ran into this on the poe comic um all the time the with the uh, charles uh soul and phil mm-hmm. noto that comic and and then later on helen's way to when he took it over where like you know paul, paul got himself into some unruly situations and you know like saw the 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 uh the backhand of a well a hand you know the back side yeah. of a hand every once in a while and you know would get a little little beaten up and bruised and um Lucasfilm is very particular about how you show any kind of blood or, you know, uh, like a bruises and gore, but you, you get what I'm saying. They're very, very particular about that. And, um, so we would, when we learned that we would, we, you know, did the South Park thing where we send in, you know, the version that is like super over the top, um, that we know they're going to say, yep, and we, and we give them options. And that's the thing for anyone who's ever interested and wants to go into doing anything with licensing. I always say, give them options, because if you just give them one option, they're more likely to say no. But -hmm. if you give them two or three, they're going to pick one of them. They're, they're, they're going to say, oh, these are, these are the, the, these are my choices, right? It's a multiple choice test, right? Then when you're taking a multiple choice test and you have A, B, C, D, uh, you don't get to make up option E. That's Mm -hmm. not that's not available to you you have to pick one of the four and so we've kind of been psychologically trained to do this so when you present your bosses or licensors or whatever options they they're never going to say or very rarely will they ever say mm, none of those yes um,
0: and they're very like uh, unlikely to chew to give their own input in the sense of how it should be done like right like if you give one one option to them, they may come back and try to solve the problem for you mm-hmm. in a way that maybe that's like what you said, okay, let us do that. <laughs> like, yeah. we'll, we'll do that. So But if you give them three options, they're less likely to say, let me solve this problem because there's three options for them. They'll just
1: say, ooh, option two. Yeah. Yes.
0: I like just... option one, but option two is better and so on and so forth. There's discussion yeah. on that. And again, if you give them the most gory thing <laughs> and right. give them something less and something less, if they'll you give them the most story the thing, they'll, they'll the say, middle. no. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they'll be like, no gore at all. But if you yeah. give them something like, okay, this is doable, right? And, and they can and they can do that too. Um, but not only is their licensors the one that you, when you were working with Star Wars and even Star Trek, you're working with now in Godzilla, any of the licensed uh, projects that you've worked on, which is different than something like an original uh, yeah. uh, creation, you have these fandoms. You, you've got to have some sort of a thick skin that when you're editing a book or working or writing or or, or, or illustrating these people who are writing these licensed projects like Star Wars or Star Trek that people aren't going to like your decisions that you made as an editor or as a team, creative team. And having those thick skins, what is that? Like, is that just like, uh, you just deal with it. People are going to complain no matter what, or do you, do you take any of that to heart?
1: (laughs) Uh, I say everyone is entitled to to their opinion, no matter how wrong it is. (laughs) Like I know, uh, look people, you're never going to please everyone, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and, and so you either care or you don't, you know, then that was, that was a thing. I, that was a decision I had to cognizantly make very early on in my professional creative career where it was like, either I give a shit with what people think or I don't. Yeah. And if I give a shit, then it's going to ruin my life. And mm-hmm. so I just stopped. Yes. Uh, and that's easier said than done. But um. Uh, sorry this is my job and yes. uh i have this job for a reason i'm very, i like to think i'm very good at my job um and like you know star star wars for instance like i am as hardcore of a star wars fan as they come again it, look at my twitter um and like i know i know my shit when yes. it comes to star wars and i know what fans want and are looking for. And, um, I try my best to, to give them that I know what I would want as a fan. Um, and again, with licensing at the end of the day, it's not my property. I don't make all the decisions or Mm -hmm. calls or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I just, Posted about this uh, a couple weeks ago, like Thrawn, like literally day one at Marvel, I was pushing for Thrawn comics because I knew the Star Wars, you know, and an old Republic, which I still haven't done. But yeah. like uh, those are the ones, because I knew those are the ones that the fans wanted. Um, and, and um, but yeah, you're never, especially with like these franchises that have gone on 40, 50, 60 years um you're never going to please everyone and everyone has their own opinions and head canons right of what it's why so many people were pissed off about Last Jedi right mm-hmm. it's well Luke didn't live out the head that x amount percent of fandom had built for themselves of what quote unquote should have yeah. happened um and <laughs> you know like that's that's, your headcanon isn't reality, yeah. sorry. Sorry, I hate I, I hate to break it to you. That's not Star- reality. <laughs> I hate
0: to, I also hate to say it cause it sounds weird, but Star Wars wasn't made for you, it's made for the greater people. So right. like, it always seems like when someone, it feels like you're speaking to me personally, when you're when you're a fan of something like this, Star Wars, Star Trek, yeah. Turtles, anything like that. But it's so funny cause we just mentioned, I am in a book club every month, we read a graphic novel or trade paperback at my local comic book shop. And we, we just finished House of M. And we were talking about the next month. And this being May, we were like, oh, let's do Star Wars. It makes sense. Yeah. May the 4th, all this other stuff. And like half the group were like, screw Star Wars. I'm t- they, they screwed it all up with the continuity yeah. and all this other canon and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. well, the books and all this, like the stuff that came out in the 80s and 90s and all that stuff. I'm like, well, yeah. you're just you're trying to figure out, yes, like that stuff. But that doesn't mean that it has to that's, – that's Star Wars legacy now. And there's they've changed some things, but it's for the – I mean – if you also take take the story itself like I I know there's a bigger world to a whole thing but like the 2015 darth vader series was amazing thank you forget the rest of it like you know i mean like in the sense that you're reading it five issues of something love what it is and not like it's it's the connectivity from far about years ago and all this other stuff like
1: it's so bizarre it is always it's it's just such a fascinating thing of human psychology, and I and I and I want someone to do like a study on this, how people personify their identities based on these fandoms, <laughs> in a way that they get so riled up about these fictional timelines and canons, and then don't care about reality yeah it's it's such a weird you know like because it's uh, like i don't mean to like you know disrespect anyone's love of a fandom because that's not what it is yeah. at all but like it's fake it's, <laughs> you know? well that's the funny thing is we have this <laughs>
0: argument in it because i was talking about how the reason why I love Marvel so much is the fact that, you know, Stanley, Steve Vicko, all these people back in the day created this universe that's based in real world. Like it's New York City. Like that was one of the big things growing up. Like as a kid, we could go to New York City, and like Spider-Man could be yeah. flinging around' yeah, yeah. It's like like I, there's no such thing as Gotham. Like there isn't a Gotham. So that's one yes. of the reasons why I disconnected with that. But like, they're like it's fake. It's still fake, Justin and I'm like, well, I know, but like it's not like you when you're living in your why I love independent comic books so much right now, it's because it's like the horror comic books are like real world with small deviation to it. Yeah. And I want to be able to believe that this could be real. It, it's the it's yeah. the movie paranormal activity. Like most of that movie, you're like, oh my God, this could be an actual like, you know, security camera footage movie until the end where I feel like they ruined it. But like they they the want to feel like this is real. And so I understand immersing themselves into it, but in the same sense, it is fake. Like, this is well, not a real world. And, like This is a like, made-up story.
1: <laughs> and also, like, everything's canon till it isn't. Yes. You know? And, 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 like, and, that's, that's just everything is canon t- till it isn't. It,
0: the benefit <laughs> I see that you were able to do with the Star Wars books and, and Marvel and, and IDW when IDW had it and Dark Wars now is it is cool to have a universe that you can read the High Republic books right now and the comic books, and then we're going to get some TV shows, that really, you know, movies... That all connect. It's cool in that sense, but any of those people who are Marvel fans know that the MCU is one thing and the comic books are another thing. They technically are in the same like world. They're same people, but like they modify well, things the, for it's like. It's a multiverse. It's
1: a, it's a multiverse trust. But like
0: why can't we have that? Like, I don't know, I just feel like it hasn't deviated enough for me to complain that Star Wars is yeah. that much different than what you had back in the 70s I don't know I just yeah, it's one of those nice. things that I can't imagine being that hard up about a dynamite story in the first place like I don't even care if it was never connected you could do a Darth Vader story that has nothing to do with anything else and I'd be happy to read Darth Vader you know what I mean like I don't know yeah
1: it, it's it's i get interesting... off my soapbox <laughs> no no it's it is a really interesting thing and you know I I just have to trust my gut and like mm-hmm. what I'm doing and look at the end of the day some people just want to be pissed off and they want to hate it and people watch you know watch things read things now to not like it specifically mm-hmm. ah. yeah. uh,
0: sorry well, it's, 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 it's also the modern technology it's modern social media uh we talked about uh, yeah. yesterday about something else too but um is that there's this ability to complain about it you yes. know when the, in 1977 going to see star wars and like you had your friends and family to complain about it with like there wasn't like this wide, I could just say, "Screw Star Wars on on Twitter," and, yeah, and, and get, get some get some, and then tag you in it. That was another thing that Daniel from Dark Horse was yeah. mentioning. He was like, "I the number of people who hate something that happened and tag the creator in it directly, it, like it's like it's, yeah." <laughs> it's like this sucks you know at charles soul and it's like why would you do that that's so i, mean. I just
1: say thank you for but thank you for buying the comic Coming thank you for supporting show. it
0: and then thank they were speak so back much. to you that they bought it they downloaded it illegal on the internet and then you're like yeah. well screw you yeah i don't <laughs> you have no say no but um it, it's just weird it's that that world we live in that people have the ability to, which is great because guess what no one may ever admit it, but there's a possibility Lucas Lucasfilms is like, well, maybe we should do this a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? like So keep saying your opinions, whether they're wrong or right. Like voice your opinions on things, but I don't know. I just think there's too many people who will die on the hill who would never buy a Star Wars comic book again because they read, you know, Lando from 2015 and it wasn't exactly what they wanted it to be yeah. and what they pictured what their Lando book would be. And if you want a Lando book to be that way, write it yourself. That's what I say. Yeah. And then yeah. submit it and see what happens. No, but now you work, you went from Star Wars have you been a star trek fan your life too yeah. or is this something newer i okay, so you have been a star trek fan okay. i
1: have yeah so i wasn't as like i grew up watching tng um mm-hmm. and so that that is when i think of star trek i think of tng um and uh and i and you know when they tried to Revamp with like the J.J. Abrams movies. I know again a lot of controversy about whether or not that's Star Trek. Yeah. Neither here nor there. I think they did. You know whether or not you liked them, you you cannot deny that they kind of reinvigorated the yes. franchise. um Without those films, we would not have Strange New Worlds Discovery. Like we mm. wouldn't we wouldn't have you know any Picard. Like we wouldn't have those shows today. So. um but uh i i definitely wasn't as hardcore of a star trek fan um but i you know i i definitely was a casual fan i i i liked it liked it a lot um and then obviously getting a job working on star wars professionally the last 7 years of my life were hardcore star wars um to the point where i and translate arabesh right just on site just yeah. because like I, that was my job you know mm-hmm. um so you know sw- switching over to star trek um that has been like so distant in my mind uh was really intimidating It's so so disney um long story disney pulled the license for a month so it was it, it wasn't there wasn't any like uh controversial reason as to why it just they were just oh it's the pandemic and we lost a billion dollars so uh we don't want to renegotiate with you and come up with a reasonable fee we just want to sell it for twice as much to someone else that's that's what happened it's just disney looking for a quick buck right Mm -hmm. um and Uh, my boss had asked me he's like so what franchise like what else are we doing because there were some other editorial shifts happening at the time where all the licensed books were were moving around a bit he's like what would be you be interested in and the only other license really that that idw had that really interested me and i thought i saw potential with was star trek um but it was intimidating because going into star wars like i knew star wars Mm -hmm. i knew it I could I could do it in my sleep, but Star Trek is fascinating in that you have all these different series, like TOS, Voyager, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, and you can be the most hardcore Voyager fan and never have watched any of the other series. Yep. And you don't get that with Star Wars. You <laughs> might get people who have only watched the movies and never read the comics or the books, but they've watched all the movies, right? <laughs> um and Star Trek you get people that Deep Space Nine or Bust or TNG like they just will not touch or acknowledge any of the other series and 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 every single one of those series almost has its own can can, you know every single one of the Star Trek series is like its own Skywalker saga in a way so it's it's very intimidating um but the thing that really intrigued me about Star Trek was it's really the first shared universe um, that we have, you know, um, as as nerds, as geeks. And it never has really, I think, reached its potential in comics. Um, every single time, at least in modern comics, every I looked at what Star Trek had done in comics in the last, you know, 10 or so years and it was every single series kind of existed within a vacuum Mm -hmm. and never really took advantage of what a line of comics could be right um they didn't exist within the same world they didn't exist within the same space they every just series was just a novel done in, in comic form right and so I saw a real opportunity to like, let's just see what, if if I approach Star Trek in the same way that we approach Star Wars, when Marvel got Star Wars, where, you know, we have ongoing series that exist at the same time, the interweave, we can do an event, and then you have many series that, you know, aren't required reading, but do connect and, and further develop in a way it's like you said like walking in new york city spider-man can show up at any time right and the x-men book spider-man can show up at any time um and affect the story and and vice versa and all of that stuff and star trek comics had never done that um and so that's really what i wanted to do with with the line and you know we've been going we launched with the Star Trek number one in October of, of 2022, and we just uh launched Defiant, which is the the sister series to the ongoings. The two ongoings going on at the same time, and we're about to do the first ever Star Trek summer event, the summer called Day of Blood. That I'm just I'm so excited, and it's been received so well. Um, we're getting talent interested in working on Star Trek that in comics that have have never before and the the like weirdest thing and and it's good but it's just so strange as everyone in comics always talks about attrition sales going down down mm. down and that's why you get all these relaunches right star trek 5 went up from 4 6 went up from 5 7 went up from 6 8 went up, like that doesn't happen no that doesn't happen <laughs> no. for one issue let alone three issues in a row that yeah. just doesn't happen um, and so whatever it is that we're doing is like resonating with people. And it's so surreal and weird and humbling. And just like, I just hope we can keep doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny how you mentioned that. Cause I, I, when I first started going to my LCS a couple of years ago, uh, he didn't carry, like, no one asked for Star Wars or Star Trek comic books. Like there was just like, we're, we're in a small town in Maine and and people don't just didn't want it like they just they didn't care much about it and now he has people coming in like wait you don't want to start so like now he's having to add it to his his regular list of ordering comic books because of the fact that people are doing it. and i think some of it has to do with the fact that it's like you mentioned the tv shows mm-hmm. uh, you know some of that stuff those those are absolutely star colored. trek
1: has never been better it's never yeah. been bigger and better in the zeitgeist and being able to tap into that at the same time and like having this support, right? Like we did the Lower Decks comics with Ryan yep. North and Chris Finnoleo yep. and having Mike McMahon, who's the creator of Lower Decks be such a vocal supporter of the comics and what we're doing online, like that only helps obviously, right? Yes. Um, and it's just, it's so it's so cool. It's so cool to have like, you know, we, we recently on Star Trek number six, um, we had to consult with the producers behind Prodigy Um, you know, to, to make sure everything is, is in line and and it's stuff like that, that the fans want and notice, um, they want to be able to fans love an Easter egg. Right. And they Mm want to be able to like, Oh, that thing connects with that thing I just watched and I feel smart because I notice, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it feels current and it feels like it matters. I think that's the biggest thing is it feels like it matters. Um, whereas if you're telling And that was the tricky thing with Star Wars when we we were doing the Star Wars comics, um, because those launched between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and like everyone knows that Luke is going to survive, you know, like his his life is never at stake. Um, So how do we make those stories interesting and feel like they matter. Um, And that's 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 the tricky thing again with with Star Trek comics is if if we know these characters survive, if we know you know, then it's not about whether life or death is at stake. It's how are they changing? How is their life impacting? Or how are we further informing the next chapter that we see on screen? Mm-hmm. Um, and so really diving in and understanding the material is important for that.
0: And, and I also think that like if so many projects are being launched on streaming networks and, and TVs and movies from comic books nowadays that it's also you're seeing this like some of the characters that were created in the star wars books that you worked on back in 2015 are now seeing their way onto the screen or or will be soon and that's crazy like having that ability to do that in the star trek universe would be kind of cool too like bringing in characters into the comic books that eventually someday when they make a movie or a tv show that you created a character in a book to go into that thing i just think that yeah star trek it's funny how star trek and star wars have always been like this you know, battle, if you're either a Trekkie or you're a Star Wars fan, like there's no, not very many people who cross over between the two of them. And uh, if you can build this comp of the universe to be as, you know, an impactful thing out there, people might start to to notice. And they seem like they have. It seems like if you go up every issue, I think people are noticing that these books are being pretty, know, made I pretty know. well.
1: I've, I've even had a few retailers tell me they're just like we're selling more Star Trek than Star Wars right now and that to me is like the the big like oh I, I you know I, be, I beat myself almost right <laughs> like uh, but uh no it's it's just it's really humbling it's really cool because this was you know really changing how Star Trek comics were done and and using you know um talent that's hasn't been seen on searcher comics before and i also have to like shout out the folks at cbs and paramount like for also like supporting um the weird not weird but just the different direction you Mm -hmm. know visually and 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 narratively um that we're doing with the comics because you know like christian ward whom i love and adore as an artist you know he's he's his psychedelic style is a bit out there for what Star Trek has previously done visually and you know getting him on covers um and having them respond so positively and you know every pitch I have this really really cool project I'm so excited about um that will be announced soon that's coming out this fall that you know I just keep waiting for them to say no basically I keep you know like how far can I push them how far like how what's the thing that's that they're gonna say no to. Um and they haven't yet. And it's it's really cool to have that sort of trust and partnership with a licensor to like really trust and believe, you know, where we want to take the franchise. And so just huge shout out to them and then just shout out to, you know, Jackson Lanza Colin Kelly, Chris Cantwell on Helen's Wade and Roman Rosanis of the, you know, Star Trek and Defiant books who like are just really bring in their a-game and and i think their passion for these characters and stories like really shows um and it's just cool it's just it's really cool to be a part of and you know some days it's not that i just sit back and be like aha i do nothing It's all them but like it, it is really fun to just sit back and like see these people just do their best
0: work well, when you have a good team, it's yeah. like, I, you know, I mentioned that to uh, Daniel, who's also an editor of Dark Horse. And I mentioned that to my I, the person who took over for me in the, in the in the restaurant part as the general manager was like, if you put a good team below you, you really, it makes your job easier. That's the whole point of yes. having good people below you. So if you have a good writing team and a good artist team and so on and so forth, then you're not like, your job gets a lot easier. If you have a team that's hard to work with or not very good at their jobs, then you're gonna have to step in a lot yeah. more. So yeah, I mean, it's, you know, having a good team below you makes it easier to manage a project for sure. A
1: hundred percent. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's the trick of any, you know, being a, being a good leader, being a good yeah. manager, being a good boss is, is, is hiring the right people. It's not micromanaging. Nope. It's hiring the right people. And that was me. That was me when I stepped onto Star Trek was I knew that I'm not the Star Trek encyclopedia that I was for Star Wars. Yeah. I know that and I'm not going to pretend to be that. Um, I know that's what my people at Paramount are for they're gonna you know that's their literally their job is to to tell me what can and cannot happen but then my job is to hire the right people that know these characters and know this world Mm -hmm. better than anyone else and then Mm -hmm. my job is to just make sure it makes sense to the casual fan and that the story is good that is my Mm -hmm. job and so that's you know with Chris and Jackson and Colin like these guys know Star Trek like better than anyone on the planet and (laughs) on hell and ramon are just also just such huge star trek fans um in and of themselves so like these they they know it Mm. they know it so well and then for me i get to be an i get to be the person who's just like i haven't seen this episode and i can't recite this off the back of my hand so y'all got to be a little bit more like clear on you know certain things um but uh, I will say I was very proud of the day that I mentioned a Star Trek episode and character that Jackson hadn't heard of and didn't know <laughs> and I felt very smart. Very so <laughs> <laughs>
0: well I'm just glad you, I'm glad you said that though because of the fact that you have a team that knows their stuff and this goes back to the whole canon versus not canon or not liking a story or a direction that they went with something it's like the people that are working on these books are fans and and, and honestly as the people that are out there reading these maybe bigger fans than you if they're mm-hmm. writing or, or illustrating a book so this is not like joe schmo out there who's just a random person who's like i got hired to do star or star trek or star Wars. i guess
1: i'll do it yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: these people are ones that either sought it out or people know they've been fans for a long time like every single person that's on that high republic creative team mm-hmm. charles and cabin yeah. and, and all those guys They love it. Die hard Star Wars fans. So it's not like they're just. Creating things out of their butts here and just hoping that it works. Like, this is stuff that they wanted or have thought about since they were young or and, kids and, and stuff. Exa- like that, so.
1: And that's literally it. I mean, that's that is that is literally it. When when you know people were asking me, like, what's it like to work on Star Wars, and it's uh, you know, do you remember in high school when we all used to sit around the, the lunch table and like talk about well, what if blah 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 blah? Did you know what if Luke fought Darth Maul on the next wing and blah blah blah? I don't know, just
0: that, I like how you said high dumb. school, I think I still do that,
1: right? We still do that, but like, <laughs> (laughs) that's our jobs now. Like that is, that is our jobs. And, you know, to like, I think one of the first things I did um, when I was working on Star Wars was I had a tabletop Star Wars RPG game that I played Mm -hmm. for six years with a group of people. And the first thing I did, the first opportunity I could find, I found ways to get everyone on my group, become canon in some way shape or form um so like we're you know we're all hardcore fans of you know no no one no one out there is writing a star wars a star trek a batman story just just for fun yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes like, not,
1: <laughs> <laughs> trust me we don't get paid enough for it to be to do that fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff that they want to do and, and you know it's the same thing all goes with the editorial team with you and the people working with you too it's like you're fans of these things so you're not going to just they're not going to stick someone on a star trek or star wars book who hates the opposite like but, i'm a big star wars fan i hate star trek because that would just ruin it because all they would do is ruin the series yeah. for their own benefit like so that's another thing to think back on is people are making these movies, your JJ Abrams and all those people. Like those people are making these movies because they're big fans of these things too. They, these names are big enough that they can find the right person to do it. There's no one out there being like, no, I don't want to do that. Like star Wars Lucasfilm is finding people to make their films who are fans of the universe who will do a good job for them because that's how they make their money. So like, Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing I always think about these people creating it are not just random people. So uh, you know, but everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Like you said, it could be wrong, but yeah, it's, they're yeah. entitled to their Everyone's, own opinion.
1: Everyone is entitled to be wrong.
0: That's <laughs> <And> fine. So. <laughs> but, so you're working on I'm, I'm gonna finish this up here, but you're working on Star Trek as an is what other books are you working on over at ADW or is that it right now?
1: Uh so I'm overseeing all things Star Trek, and then I also have a um originals title that comes okay. out. Uh, end of this month actually it's called cat fight uh, I call it John Wick meets Kill Bill meets cats um, <laughs> so if any of those interest you I highly suggest checking it out it's by Andrew Wheeler uh, and Elias uh, C- Curiouses I think yes. I totally butchered his, it's he's Greek so I <laughs> a lot of uh, consonants in there and I apologize yes. Elias um, but I highly recommend checking out it's super 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 fun um and then over at image um bloodstained teeth volume two uh mm-hmm. the final collection just came out on sale time before time um uh by uh declan shelby and rory mcconville yep. uh we're on our final arc as i
0: said is that wrapping up i'm pretty it's, sure that was the yeah was up, we yeah. just
1: announced um it ends with issue 29 will be our okay. last issue so three three good years of that book mm-hmm. oh it's uh, an excellent old- book yeah thank you. Um, Old Dog mm-hmm. by Declan Shalvi, uh is back out this month. Uh, issue 4 comes out. Um, and then I just launched two new image books uh, with Saladin Ahmed. Uh, Star Signs, number one, um, which if you're into like Zodiac and astrology-based superheroes, I highly yeah. recommend checking that out. And then Terror War, um, also by Saladin and Dave Costa, um, which is kind of like a cyberpunk Um, horror story. Um, so that just came out. So, um, I work.
0: It's a beautiful book. Like I, I just read that. It's yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. I love. I, I read terror, terror. Uh, you know, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. Old dog. I mean, I love Declan Shelby. So I'll read anything from Declan Shelby. Uh, even though I'm, the funny thing is, I fall in love with these people as the opposite of what they're doing like i fall in love with these people as either artists and now they're writing mostly yeah. or the opposite and i'm just yeah. like oh why do you keep doing this to me <laughs> yes but but like we were talking i was talking to scotty young on the on the podcast and he was mentioning just like there's just so much there's just so much going on now that he can't write these books and illustrate it, it just doesn't have time to do all that yeah so it's I understand just not possible
1: yeah
0: yeah so i can understand that declan writes well and illustrates well yeah. so Whatever he wants to do with his time, you can do that. <laughs> Fine, I'll I'll buy anything that says his name on it. So there you <laughs> go. Uh, and then Heather, you have a website too.
1: I do. It's very out of date. I need to update it, but oh. it's just heatherantos.com. Um, yep. I'm Heather Antos on Twitter. I'm Heather Antos on Instagram. Uh, it's pretty pretty easy to find me. um Should you want to, uh, and let's talk Star Wars or Star yes. Trek.
0: Star Trek whatever anything that starts with their star really because you have star signs
1: star signs, this is true i (laughs) i do a lot with stars
0: (laughs) editor of the stars there you go there There you you go that's my new (laughs) tagline i really appreciate you coming on talking to star wars star trek uh all the stuff in between editing uh we'd love to have you back at some point in the future to talk more but uh, i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us and uh you know hope Hope the rest of your day and the rest of 2023 works great for you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.